Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? You know what? That one works. Okay, Blake, what's the loudest thing you've ever heard? Sorry, what did you say? Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who is currently collecting workman's comp for the hearing loss that Toby has caused me on this podcast. And I'm here with my co-host who speaks louder than anyone I've ever met, Toby Walters. Do you want me to turn up my voice, Blake? <laughs> Toby, I, I laid the irony out there perfectly for you. I'm the loudest person who's ever talked. I was teeing yeah, you loudest up. and most obnoxious. Hey, 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 just loudest, just loudest. So if you Google loudest sound ever heard, uh, do you have, like, what do you think, Blake, might have been the loudest sound ever uh, that happened on earth? Like what kind of category? Two thoughts. I think of a nuclear bomb going off. Okay. And then I think about, uh, the moment you hired Brian Deshaun and I screamed <laughs> with joy. So think a nuclear bomb, but think natural, natural. Um, I would guess when I do my belly dance, no, that's wildly un- unnatural. So uh, Krakatoa volcano eruption was supposedly the loudest sound ever to happen on Earth. Krakatoa, that's fun to say. I know. You should try it. Um, so I was out visiting a church in Indianapolis area, Traders Point, and uh, I love church tech tours. I love to get to connect with the team and then see their space and what they do unique. And one of the fun things on this tour, and it was Wednesday night, so they're doing rehearsal while I was there. That's the best time to go. Totally. So everybody's there. You get to kind of see the vibe, but you're not really, you're not in the way of anything. It, you get the, the excitement time. of the live environment without the stakes of like, it's actually live. Yeah. And so uh, they took me to their broadcast suite and I was like, you know, haha, a suite, you know, this is a really great space here. And then they took me through uh, like green room and then into their other broadcast suite. I was like, oh, you have two broadcast suites. And they said, yeah, one is for live and one is for in the room. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then me, they took me across the hall into their third broadcast suite. I was not expecting the third. What's the <laughs> third? Was, it, apparently it's like master control. Like it oversees both. So I, I don't pretend to understand things technical because, and especially I'm not a video guy at all. You pretend all the time. <laughs> so uh you know they explained it to me and i was like oh well that makes sense and it of course you know went right over my head smile and nod boys i know but what was uh what was a favorite for me because like i was an audio guy coming up and so they were mixing for the band on rehearsal and it was loud and i just assumed okay you're you're mixing really loud because it's rehearsal there's no one here and i asked like do you run this loud on sundays they said we do and it was uh, blake i know like DB ratings don't mean a whole lot to you, but I know they piss off sister Karen when they get too high. So (laughs) who comes and shows you like the Google, like OSHA reading. Oh, decibel Dan. He's got his decibel meter. That's right. So they're running like 98 
And that's pretty impressive. Most modern churches typically are like, you know, 90 to 95, somewhere in there. And to run 98, like that's, that's impressive. And I love it. So my buddy, Josh at church of the city, where I go like every Sunday, he's walking up the aisle and I just like, I'm Josh, Josh, three more DB. Come on, man. And what I, you know, what I want to say is that like, it's not about necessarily how, how loud you run it. It's how, how you mix it. So Blake, if you go to the movies sometimes, if you see like Avengers or something, and it can be really loud in the movies, but it, does it hurt your ears? Well, yes, but that's just because everything hurts my ears because I'm a big old weenie. Um, I had to have earplugs uh, whenever I went shooting the other day. So yes, yeah, apparently you are a weenie. Yeah, I mean, I eat beanies and weenies all the time. But there you go. We're derailing here. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's it's all about, and our old friend Boggs would say, it's not the it's not the gear, it's the ear. Oh, yeah. And so it was just, it, it's interesting to go to different places and I actually got to hear their mix as opposed to, you know, normally I'm on like a weekday and they give me the tour and I don't get to experience um, the show, so to speak, the service. Um, so it was cool to hear that. And um, it was interesting because they're mixing on a Nexo system. Church of the City is using a Nexo system. So it was just, it was fun to see the same system in a, in a different environment and get to experience that. Yeah, it's like uh, an A-B test, you know? It's like whenever, you know, we were in high school and you go on a date with a girl one night and you go on a date with a girl the next night. You know, you got to have the A-B test. Yeah, it's like I go to any other company on the planet and I meet their marketing director and I do an A-B test and I'm like, oh, that's what a marketing brand director is supposed to be like. And if he could convince them to take this low <laughs> salary, he'd be able to steal them and fire me. But since he can't do that, I will instead introduce our mixing and recording engineer guest, production manager, front of house engineer, and helicopter lover, Brenton Miles. <laughs> Brenton, welcome to the show, man. What is up, guys? Do you I'm really so love honored. helicopters? I, dude, I have loved helicopters since I was a kid. Have you been on a helicopter? I have a few of them. Is it scary to you? Have you died in a helicopter? <laughs> I Not yet. Um, I, I love them. Yeah, it's not scary. Um, no, it's, it's amazing. Actually, I feel like I feel a little bit more safe in a helicopter than I do a plane. Which Why is, is interesting. that? Just feel closer to the controls, maybe? I don't know. I think it's just conversations I've had with... It's so nerdy, dude. Just getting conversations with pilots. Like, helicopters, you can literally land anywhere. You can crash land anywhere. Planes, you actually can't. Stuff Ooh, like that. Yeah, it's point. interesting. There's this thing called auto-rotation. Yeah, where you can, like, dive bomb out of the sky and then pull up. Your propellers catch, and then you just land wherever you want. Toby, there's an internet phenomenon right now where <laughs> men are saying that if they think they could land a plane, like if the pilot dies, co-pilot dies, okay. like men are kind of saying whether or not they have the confidence to be like, oh, land this plane. Oh, do yeah. it. Toby, if that happened and you and I were on a plane, would we step up to land the plane? Uh, sure. And it has nothing to do, in my mind, with my confidence. It's knowing that planes are so ridiculously like automated that I'm sure I could just get on the, the headset with ground control and they would say like, press this button, turn this dial. And I think they would totally walk me through it. And I would have to change my shorts uh, immediately, but <laughs> you don't think you would pass out. <laughs> I don't think I'd pass out. This is actually really fun because I was, you didn't, you didn't lead with, uh, arrogance. You're actually like, I'm humble enough to be their button pusher and we will survive <laughs> this. And you have this calm demeanor that actually maybe you can yeah, do that. It'll be I fine. would trust you. Yeah. I would trust well, if you had to you. run up there. Yeah. I'd feel and safe on that plane. Going back to this, uh, <laughs> DB conversation, speaking of nerdy talk, <laughs> right. uh, 
do you have like a, you usually get to mix in X amount of DB range on a Sunday morning versus when you're touring? I love that you guys brought this up because it's definitely something that happens a lot, even on the road where you have concerned people walk up to you with, you know, their DB meters or have their opinions. Um, it's definitely different on the road versus at church, I would say. Um, you know, there's a big difference between hearing something at 98 dB at nine in the morning versus seven o'clock at night. Hmm. Um, I think just your awakeness level probably plays into that. I think there's a bit of a difference in the perception of somebody who's bought a ticket to see a show versus somebody who's going to church with their kids and their family. Um, so I think there's a little bit of, of play there as far as volume, but it definitely is different everywhere you go. And I think it depends on the PA. It depends on the crowd. And it kind of, de it definitely, like you said, I couldn't agree more. It, it always depends on the mix. And do you have a personal preference on uh, speaker systems? Are you a diehard whatever guy? On PAs? Yeah. I, I have the ones that I know that I love. Like if there's something on a tech sheet and I'm walking in and I see that, that brand or that model, like I just know that my mix is going to feel really good going in. Um, there's like three or four at the top of the list. Um, do you care to know what those are? Or well, we are assume you, PV number one. Yeah, PV crate. Um, Mackie. Uh, Ross. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you've ever mixed on an old Ross system. Avion number three. My dad had Avion a Ross system in the 1980s. So it was literally wow. like the cheapest thing he could buy at Guitar Center in the 80s. You and know, it was, yeah, it was something all right. I've heard a lot of people hate on EV, like Electra Voice, mm -hmm. but their newer boxes are actually pretty awesome. But they're an older company, you know? Yeah. So when you see them, you just imagine like, oh, that's just an old PA. But I've mixed on some great EV stuff this year. A uh, big fan of L-Acoustics. Anytime I see one on the list, like, I don't know if I've ever heard a bad one. I could probably say the same about D&B. Um, those are kind of at the top of the list for sure, which yeah. I think is pretty standard across the board for a lot of people, but... And how about our, P our PA in our podcast studio here? It's very powerful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's on. <laughs> was the SM7 on your writer sheet that we provided you with? It was definitely. Yeah, it was either that or what, an RE20? I think those are the, oh, yeah. the commons, the common boys. I know he sent us a writer. I just grabbed a mic out of a bin in the back of the warehouse. So For the record, perfect. I did not send a writer. I didn't plug it up either, so... <laughs> He said, "Only is it only green M and M's, or was it no green oh my M and M's?" Gosh, I know there. this story. Yeah, um, I think it was only. Like, I think, I, no, no, no. I think they wanted him to pull them out. I remember they, way it they was. taught it to us in marketing school. Yeah, it was. I mean, really, it was just a joke on the band's part. I forget which band specifically, but they were like, "Well, let's see if we no, can no, do it." No, no, it wasn't a joke. the The reason they did it was if you if we can trust you to pull all these colored M and M's mm. out, we can trust you to do what the other stuff on our rider, and they would walk if they didn't do the M&Ms because that told them they weren't committed to the other details to make them have a good show. That's true. I think it was taking them out because I, I, I think somebody told me once like only green M&Ms and my initial reaction was, have you ever been to an M&M store? Because you can literally buy just green M&Ms. I didn't know there were M&M stores. Yeah, I, well, maybe not. <laughs> and what was it Van Halen or who was the band? I don't know. I don't remember who it I was. That could be part of the truths and lie. We could already Ooh. be in that segment and our listeners don't even know it yet, Blake. That could be. So <laughs> let's go ahead and dive in. Five truths and a lie with Brenton Miles. Um, he's only got five here though. So Brenton either doesn't know how to count or he's so honest he couldn't bear to lie to us. He was <laughs> like- Maybe he's lying that there's a lie in there. Like that would be very meta. Ooh, an, an invisible lie. Yeah. Invisible ink. All right. Number one, I grew up on a tour bus on weekends. 
Still growing up. Toby, that describes us pretty well. Still growing up. <laughs> One of us is definitely more grown up than the other, Blake. And both of us are stalled at our current spot. Number two, I once snuck into Monday Night Football. Ooh, you're hoping that one's true, Blake, because you want to have that conversation. I want to know how he did it. Number three, when I was 15, I hosted my own radio show. I wonder how many listeners he had. This would be interesting. Number four, when I was 16, I got my fixed wing pilot's license. Did he totally prep us to to think that's true with all the uh, helicopter talk? And I guess a helicopter wouldn't have any wings. So, and what's a... What's an aircraft without fixed wings? Uh, I think they call that a horse. <laughs> yeah. Um, number five, I once was chaplain for a police department. All right. I have a good feeling about this one. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say that he did not sneak into Monday Night Football. Nah, I was going to guess that too. Then that tells I'll me let I'm... you have it this time though, Blake. Thank you, boss. Hmm. I'm going to guess that I really he was took not his... a chaplain for a police department. You know who was a chaplain? He either was a chaplain for a police department or he almost became one was Dylan Howe. So, oh, yeah. well, he was uh, working towards becoming a police officer. Yeah, I think it was that like was... a police officer chaplain okay. specifically. Yeah. That's why I think, oh, that's feasible. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe this guy. All right, Britton, we're locked in. You guys, those are your final answers? Yes. All right, so you, th- you thought that I wasn't a chaplain. Correct. And you thought I did not sneak into Monday Night Football. Correct. I'm so glad that both of you are wrong. Ah, ah, he gads. <laughs> I was very articulate, and the helicopter thing definitely threw you off because I do not have my pilot's license. <laughs> we even knew it. I even knew it. <sighs> oh, oh I really put a lot of time into that, so I'm so glad it worked. It's like he goes to the extreme <laughs> of most thought put into f- well, four truths and a lie, this one. And then we've had a few guests that like, oh, no, I totally forgot about this segment. So I think he wins a prize. He should. Yes. The most prepared guest. I mean, the guest <laughs> column is a tough one. There's 52 people throughout the year that make up that score. So he's that's amazing. part in. Yeah. Well, there are a bit of crazy stories, all of them. And uh, if it was four lies and a truth, it would have made a lot more sense. But I'm <laughs> um, actually, uh, yeah, that's all very true. Um, so, yeah, when I was probably... 13 years old, we went and watched uh, the St. Louis Cardinals play on a super uh, hot day up in St. Louis with my family. And afterwards, it was, I think, a Saturday night. We were walking around um, and got some spaghetti at the spaghetti house. We're walking around. And this is back in, I mean, I was 13. This is going to age me, but I was probably, this is probably back in like 98 or something. And so this was the Trans World Airlines Dome, the TWA Dome, where the, uh, the oh no, this would have been like 2000, sorry, this would have been like 2001. This is like right, the year right after the Rams had won the Super Bowl uh, with Kurt Warner. Yeah. So it was the next season. That's what it was. And so um, <clears throat> we were walking around and this would have been probably the first game of the season. So it would have been like early September. It was a hot day in St. Louis. And uh, so we're walking around and it's like evening time. And I see these ABC sports trucks, big Monday night football on the thing. And we're walking next to the, the, the stadium. And there was a little crack, like a two foot crack in the door. And I was a 13 year old kid. I was like, they're not going to get mad. Like they might be annoyed, but they're not going to get mad at a kid. Right. So I sneak in under the door 
And the first person I meet is the associate producer for Monday Night Football. And he's like, oh yeah, totally. Where's your family? And so I bring my family in and our friends and he totally gives us a tour of the stadium, the tour of the TV trucks, shows us like um, the replay computers and all that. It was such a sick, it's probably the reason I'm doing production. Like seriously, it was like one of the coolest. That was one of the coolest. I mean, I don't know about that. I'm saying it probably played into it for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll never forget it. And um, it was definitely something that I always kind of look back to. Um, but dude, it was the coolest thing ever because I loved the Rams. You know, I was a big fan um, of football. I'd never been to an NFL game. I'd only watched it on TV. So here we are at a baseball game. And I'm like, oh man, surely I could like, maybe I can just see the field or something. And he showed me a lot more than just the field. It was super cool. Dude, that sounds so fun. Getting to so see fun. the stadium, a belly full of spaghetti. I mean, Let's what, what what can you ask for more? See, Blake, that's a moment where I would prove to you, see, it'll be fine. <laughs> Just sneak under the door. 13, I act like I'm 13, it'll be fine. And nothing's really changed, you know. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. wear all black. You can kind of go anywhere if you know, if you act like you know where you're going. True Hester has told me that. If you wear all black and walk with purpose, you can get in anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And if you really want to make sure, just carry a ladder. <laughs> or uh, just have a comm set on you at all times. Right, yeah. Doesn't have to some, be connected to anything. in your monitors, something yep. like that. You're, you're on your way. Yeah, and do you still love the Rams? We're giving away all these tricks to guys that probably don't need to know to do this. It's going to oh, be I think a, exactly who needs to <laughs> liability. And do you still love the Rams? Uh, not at all. No, they no, left. They you, left, and they're, they're gone. dead to you. I'm actually a massive Chiefs fan, and so living in uh, Nashville. So the origin. Uh, sorry, I'm just going to rant. You can cut all yeah. of this out. Big Joe Montana fan as a kid, so I liked the Niners. And when he came to Kansas City, I was like, oh my gosh, my favorite quarterback in my like basic, not my hometown, but you know, the closest team. And so I was like, I'm going to be a Chiefs fan. And so I became a Chiefs fan, was heartbroken for decades. And then finally, like, the last few years, it's, it's yeah. paid off. It's, it's been a good time to be a Chiefs yeah. fan recently. Been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, people, you know, say things about the Chiefs, but the haters are going to hate, 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 hate. No. Oh, so okay. it's all <laughs> there. They there got, it is. They got all the things they need. And now the Church Gear podcast is on the media train with the mm-hmm. Taylor Swifties. Got there it. we go. Obviously. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I'm on that train myself. I got a ticket. Um, you know, someone who might give me a ticket as a police officer, he might have arrested you if you, you know, caught you going nice under that door. Segway. So how did you become a chaplain for a police department? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I mean, the short of it is um, we had a bunch of police officers at our church doing security and I was leading worship one night and um, we had a, a, he came up and was like, hey, I like your voice. It's like, hey, I like police cars. Let's go ride around. <laughs> hey, I like your voice. <laughs> hey, I like your gun. Let's trade. <laughs> so we literally rode around and became really great friends. And he's like, hey, would you, you know, would you ever want to be like a chaplain? And I was like, cause he's like, then we could like actually do this for real. It'd be fun. And I was like, sure. I'm like on staff at a church nights and weekends. I could be Batman, be a vigilante, go stop. Yes. Crime. Heck yeah, let's do it. So I kind of officially unofficially became their chaplain so that I could hang out with my police officer friends. <laughs> what if uh, could we have a chaplain at church gear? I'd love to have a chaplain here to confess and my he, sins to. He could go on ride-alongs for gear runs there and with the, the errand runner. With the chaos that can happen on those runs, we need a chaplain praying every That's second right. of those gear Give runs. Give that guy a badge and he's in. I'm That's, not volunteering. Well, Brenton, you've given us a peek into your background, but let's <laughs> like that door, pry it open even further. Um, ah, amazing. After seeing the peek, I think we might want to close it too. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's scary in there. Oh no, no. Well, Toby, Toby said it's scary. I'm going to open it right up. So, um, you've made quite a name for yourself in the production world. Like, were you just born with these skills, or do you have to develop them over a longer period of time? Give us like your your bet your tech background, your 
Batman origin story as it is <laughs> into tech. Oh, man. The Dark Knight in the booth. All right, I'll stop. Wow. Just keep going. <laughs> um, well, uh, it, it honestly is is kind of true. I grew up on the road. My dad was a musician, so um, I was on a tour bus on weekends and fell in love with it. I remember being in second grade, wanting to be with my best friends in a tour bus when I was older and moving to Nashville, and that kind of was the dream as a, as a young kid. Um, and so I was a musician all growing up. Um, dad was a drummer. I played drums, um, and <clears throat> started learning how to play guitar and keys and really kind of started writing songs so that I could also learn how to record. And, uh, so one of my first jobs was actually at a radio station. And so, uh, my entry there was, uh, the owner of the station, uh, his, his daughters were in school with me and I was like, oh, cool. You, you know, own a station. Could I be an intern? And so I ended up being, uh, like a 14 year old who was going to the studio, like after school. And they had this old Yamaha, it was an RM2408 console from the eighties. It was their old production desk. It wouldn't fit in their new production studio. They had just moved studios. And so um, they had it out in this warehouse just collecting dust. And I was like, oh, that's like a multi-track recording desk. I don't have a clue what I'm doing, but I know I want that. And so we ended up doing this trade where I would work a certain amount of hours because I actually wasn't old enough to legally be hired. So they're like, you could intern and we could pay you with that console. I was like, yes. I wonder if we could pull this off at church sometime. <laughs> We'd love to buy that mixer. We can't afford it, but we will trade you Blake hours for that mixer. Yeah, then we'd have to supply them a lot more gear for all the stuff I break. This is adorable though. This sounds just like Toby's you know, origin story of having a studio in his church. So that's fun. I'm giving a lot of people a lot of very bad ideas. Uh, but honestly, it, it, I fell in love with recording after that. Um, you know, my parents' basement was kind of my playground as a kid, had the console set up. It was this old, very fun, like actually really great console that I didn't realize. Like the preamps were awesome. The EQ was awesome. And I was bottlenecking all of that through a PreSonus FirePod, like nice. the very first, you know, ADDA of somewhat of a budget going into like an old e-machines Windows computer. And so um, learning how to multi-track, learning how to stack songs together and just record all the instruments I learned how to play. And um, so I think to go back to your question, I think it definitely was something I was born with, but then it's something I really wanted to hone. And I think the idea of like never stopping to learn, um, I actually remember telling my wife when I was 19 or 20, like when we early on in our, our, we're dating before we married. I remember saying that same thing. It's all about the ear, not the gear. Cause <laughs> I was always trying to like, you know, find like what, what gear do I need or whatever. And maybe mixing can actually happen without all of this nice stuff. Since being older, it's not true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's the other argument. It's like, it is all about the gear because of the ear that is that whole thing. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the short of it. I, I grew up um, uh, in music. I led worship at church in the youth group and um, loved writing songs, started writing songs for church, putting songs out when I was really young. And then that slowly kind of turned into falling in love with mixing and producing music. And then when we moved to Nashville, the, we just had a big need for help at our church with audio. So I jumped in. One of the first things I did at our church here is like soldered cables and then they needed help with monitors. So I jumped in help with monitors. And then I was like, oh, I mix in the studio. Maybe I could mix like a team night or something. And then that turned into like mixing a lot of services and then like coming on staff and kind of becoming more of an audio person than I ever dreamt of being or wanted to be, um, but still very much love all of it. It's kind of like an all around, I love producing music, engineering in the studio, being on tour. It's just, it all kind of goes together for me. 
And uh, did that lead to, are you doing a lot with Cody and Carrie these days? Are you yeah, touring with them the pretty regularly? Yeah. We had a very busy year this year. It's probably one of the busiest, um, at least that I've had. I've been with them for about five years. And we, uh, yeah, did a Europe tour. Um, we did Cody's first headlining tour this year. We did um, uh, Carrie's tour, the Blessing tour again this year in, in, in Europe um, and on the West Coast. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was very, very busy. And and this year will be, um, we, we've got quite a, a bit of events that we'll be doing. I don't know about tours yet, but um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun being out with them. Nice. Close friends. So one of the interesting things, uh, I had a conversation recently with a church and uh, they asked me specifically, okay, Toby, you go to a lot of churches all over and are you seeing any trends that you're excited about? And I hadn't been asked that before. So I kind of had to stop and think to myself, like, and the, the thing that popped in my mind that I felt like I've seen recently is the reunification of worship and production. Mm. Like churches deciding, like reworking their org chart and even hiring somebody to be over both teams and rejoin them. Uh, how do you, like, do you have a personal opinion? Like, have you worked in churches where it was production is one department, worship is the other? Um, do you have an yeah. opinion on, should they be the same department, different? How do you feel about that? That's really a great question. I think that I would always, early on, I would always argue that it should be the same department because I always saw fruit in that. I think that production is worship. I mean, anything that we do um, unto the Lord is is worship. And I think if you're gifted in in engineering or gifted in video or lighting or looks or, or whatever it is, you're gifted in looks, looks environment. Oh, I, I need to be on the worship team, Toby. I'm gifted in looks. There it is. That's that contextual thing we can pull out and put on Instagram. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I met visuals looks on stage, or if you are, if you do look really good, you can be on the worship team. Um, <laughs> I think that there's definitely a bit of, of, um, of a separation somehow along the way that's like you're t a tech person and like you're a stage person and it's 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 not really like one is worship one isn't I think that we're all curating an environment for people to encounter the presence of God and that's it so if you're on stage if it's all about your voice and how great you are you're actually kind of not leading worship you're just performing I think if you're you know an audio person you're pushing it to 100 dBs just because you can mm -hmm. that's probably not curating an environment people encounter God, it's curating an environment people to cover their ears. And so there's definitely like that, <clears throat> that tension, right? It's like, for me, when I'm mixing, if it's uncomfortable for me, I know it's probably uncomfortable for someone else because I'm, I'm used to being around a lot of loud sound. But if I look across the room and I see hands in the air and people really encountering God or on their knees or like really engaged in worship, then I'm, I think that we're there. Like at least, you know, we're kind of in the sweet spot. So it's not about what I enjoy. It's like, is this working for everyone else in the room? And I think that that's the same if you're a drummer. It's the same if you're a guitar player. Is what you're doing um, just for you? Or are you doing it to help someone else enter in? You know, that's what we're kind of all doing together. So yeah. I think to answer your question about the two teams, I think that I love the idea of um, two teams being under one roof, so to speak. I think that at the end of the day, what you see a lot 
And I feel like what is still lacking a lot in the church is that pastoral leadership over the creatives. I think that um, you need a pastoral person to oversee your worship team and to oversee your production team. And those do go cohesively hand in hand so often. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're all part of the same events. We're in the same room together all the time. And so I do think that having kind of these you know, leaders of obviously your, your individual teams is really helpful, you know, just to have a great worship leader who's overseeing your audio guys who know nothing about sound is going to be really hard to pitch why you need a new console. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I think having a creative oversight of tech and maybe over worship is helpful, but then over that, I, I would say like having someone who really cares about the people, it's going on the journey with the individuals. It's the, it's knowing like, your families are okay and that you're okay and that you're seen and you're heard and, you know, like really edifying the body, so to speak, within your whole team, Mm -hmm. I think is really important. And I know for myself, like a lot like your story, I used to be a worship leader and a worship pastor. And I thought like a worship leader on stage, Um, like my head is in, okay, the arrangements of the band and what we're doing, what we're trying to communicate out there. And, uh, and I mean, I had been an audio guy just like you to a certain extent, but it wasn't in my mind of like, well, no matter what I try to do up on this stage, it's never going to land with the congregation. It's never going to meet their heart unless the production team is translating it to them. And so do you feel like, you know, a worship background has really helped you to be able to now translate the message out to the congregation? A thousand percent, a thousand percent. I think that's probably the first thing I would say to somebody who's wanting to do anything on a worship team or in production world, it's like, learn something else. You know, like I'll tell like drummers, like learn how to play guitar, learn how to play bass. Cause then you'll know how to play drums better. You know, it's like, uh, it's the same with mixing. It's like, learn how to lead worship, you know, like go lead in your small group with an acoustic guitar. Like, because you're exactly right. I think being a worship leader, there's no difference to me between a console and a microphone. Like it's, it's a different position but it's the same approach. I'm praying into what's happening the same way. Like, God, what are you doing? What are you speaking? What are you saying? Um, I'm looking throughout the room, like praying into the atmosphere. And I think that that's, you're doing that with whatever position you're in. And so a thousand percent though, on a logistical level, as a mix engineer, being a drummer and a guitar player has very much helped me mixing because I know how those instruments are played, where they should sit, I guess in the mix, but also like how they should sound. And so you go through the whole thing. Like if you're a drummer, you actually care about tuning the drums right. And you care about what cymbals you're using. You care about it sounding right. And so then from there, the source is good, then the mic placement has to be right. And then the cables have to be good. And then your preamps have to be great. And then, you know, you're going to throw that through a little like, QSC speaker that's on a stick somewhere, <laughs> you know, or a massive PA <laughs> or the fire pod <laughs> or the fire pod. Exactly. <laughs> then you at least know, like, this is the best it can be before it gets heard, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that it's just, again, from, from A to Z, it's like really caring about every level of that. And I think at the end of the day, that's just kind of where I'm at. It's like always learning. It's like, how do I really dive into every parameter of this to where it, it comes out excellent. Do you feel like it functions any different between you as front of house on a Sunday morning or you out on tour with Cody and Carrie or another artist? Is it still the same approach where you want to be one team with different functions? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that all of us would say, like, when we're at church, we're there to serve. It's not a job for us, but we still want to do it with excellence. I mean, you know, Carrie and Cody both lead at our church. We all volunteer at our church. And so I think that um, when I mix a Sunday, it's how do I serve our house? And so, like... uh, I think what that means on a practical level is instead of me coming in and like loading my show file and it's like Brenton's mix versus this other guy's mix, I go in and use the house mix, the one that we all are using. And I take that with the band that's playing and and do, I'm trying to mix that the best I can. Um, and that, that's taken time. I mean, that takes some, some learning cause it's like the layout's a little bit different or like things are in a different place. Luckily I got to kind of build the original file, you know, yeah. but when I come back, it's like, I, like this past Sunday I mixed and it was, uh, the file that, um, like Eric had used like the week before. So it's like, it's loaded up, it's right there. And I'm like, all right, let's massage this and get this in a good place. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's really no different. I mean, when you get out on the road, like you have a little bit more control of, of maybe the practical side of things, but as far as mixing in the room, it's not all that different other than maybe a couple DB, you know, yeah. or it's like, I, I still am kind of going for the same um, immersive mix of audio, whether it's at 9am on a Sunday or, you know, the last song on a set. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, uh, I wanted to talk about this idea. So I go to church at city and Josh Fisher is the audio director there Yeah, and just fantastic mix engineer. And so I kind of, uh, you know, visualize it as I get lost in his mix. Yeah. Like I don't hear his mix. I then experience the worship because yeah. it's like, there is no more distraction. I'm just like in it. Awesome. But when other people mix, it's like, ah, now I'm, I'm a little bit distracted and I know it's like, he has mastered his craft, but are there specific things, you know, when you're sitting underneath other people's mixes that are specifically distractions to the experience. Like for Mm. everybody out there, even for, you know, video and lighting as well. What are some things that just like, they kind of irk you because it's, it's an unnecessary distraction. (laughs) Wow. That's such a good question. I think that all, all comes down to what you're comfortable with. I think this is probably too deep of an answer, but I think that in church, we oftentimes have probably one of our biggest struggles is comfortability. Like we, we get used to something being a certain way for an extended period of time to where when it's not that, then the expectation isn't met. So now I'm distracted. And I think that that happens. It's been a generational thing in the church. It's like, oh, we're doing more contemporary music and now we're not doing hymns as much. So now I'm offended, (laughs) you know, um, or, oh, now we got a line array. So now I can't worship, (laughs) you know, or, um, (laughs) the drums are here and they don't have a shield this week. So I'm just going to fold my hands and not worship Jesus because he's not worthy anymore. Um, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, I think that yes, there are definitely things that irk us, but does that get in the way of us continuing to press in? Sometimes it can. Sometimes the guitars just have so much 3K that it just hurts your ears. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes the snare is just louder than the vocals. Like sometimes there's things that like you want to like speak up because in that protective space, you're like, hey, I can't worship. So someone else probably can't. And as a leader, I think those are good things to like monitor and like maybe say, is this just me? Is this me not going at it? Or is like this just bad, (laughs) you know? Um, But I'd say 90 five percent of the time it's probably just preference Mm -hmm. and if it's preference does that mean that i can't worship probably not so someone else is probably learning so he josh might have like totally honed his craft and it's like amazing yeah 
Um, but the next person, it might be like their fifth or sixth time mixing it. They just, they don't have the same like ear yet, but it, it is growing. And so there's that grace. It's kind of like when you have your aid worship team on stage, mm-hmm. you can't have that 52 weekends or just kill everybody. So if you want to have more people, then there's probably going to be weeks where it's not as solid and that's okay. Cause it's church, <laughs> you know? And, uh, it's kind of yeah. like with the podcast, like I can't ask every single question as the a host. So like sometimes <laughs> as, the Blake, a host, as, the, as the B host, <laughs> look, Blake and B stands for the B host and you best believe I be it. And Todd Elliott said it best. got to be brave enough to fail at something. And ever since that moment, I've been brave enough to fail at a lot here. <laughs> Um, so let's, uh, Blake, I'm sure there are things I do that irk you sometimes and vice versa. So, but since you're the a-host, I, I kind of have to let it go. You know, <laughs> I have I'm, to let it be, I have to let I'm it be. Talent, oh, wow. Right. Yep. The talent. So Brenton, you've sat on both sides of the glass and our, you know, our, our <laughs> listeners can't see me doing the air quotes on the glass, but, uh, talk to me about from the production standpoint, what are some things that you've seen, you know, worship leaders or band members do that irk the production people? Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, well, I think, um, a a big one is probably, uh, just general respect. (laughs) I think that always probably is the first thing. Like if you kind of come in late and you're kind of out of tune. Act like you're the A-host. You haven't warmed your voice up. (laughs) You're the A-host. I thought worship leaders were told to refer to themselves as the talent. I heard that makes great relationships. Yeah, yeah. Can I get some more stuff in my ear on the talent? If the first thing you tell your monitor engineer is, hey, can I get more of X, Y, or Z? You're fired. Um, It should probably be, good morning. Yeah. How are you doing? You know, like, how's the fam? Like those things. And, you know, I think if it's just like kind of walking in business as usual, then it's just probably not a great environment. But I, I mean, I think, yeah, on a personal level. And then, yeah, I think like basic things like how you treat the team, you know, and really actually growing to love and be involved in the whole process. Like, I love that our team at The Belonging is very involved, like together, like for a long time. And I think that as as we started the church, we were mobile for so long. So I remember back when we were meeting like at Rocket Town, we would have to pull all of our gear out and set it all up. And so a lot of our production team were like our load in load out. Like that was the majority was like a load in load out team. And so you, we really found out like before you ever joined the worship team, you'd have to be on the production team. You have to like load in and load out and you really find out like who these people are, you know, early on, which really helped grow kind of a, a very healthy team. And so like you look at that even now, like the guitar players are serving in kids or sometimes, you know, like we always use kind of this um, phrase, but like we have, you know, massive artists who are on tour at our church who are out serving in the parking lot, parking cars. Like Mm -hmm. we're all just there to kind of serve the house. So I think that general rule is like, you're not just doing a, you're not just the talent at your church, you know, like we're all part of a team. That would be the, I think that's probably the biggest thing is, is the mind shift, the mindset. And so turn it around for us. What are some things that the production team does that irks the worship leaders, the band? Wow. That's great. I think same. Brent, I don't know if you can feel it, but your seat, we uh, we heated it up for you to get ready. <laughs> yeah, you I'm are ready for in the, the blowback. You're in the I'm turning my email seat. off after this. Um, <laughs> no, I think that worship leaders, you know, um, 
I think uh, it would be the kind of the same thing. Like there's kind of the MO, like the, the front of house guy is just somebody who's no longer the worship leader or like, mm. you know, somebody who's not Couldn't anymore. Cut it so on there's, stage. there's almost like that inferiority that kind of happens where you're like, okay, that's obviously like, there's almost like a chip on the shoulder. Like I'm living in this offense because you're the talent and I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, and it's so not the case. It's such a thing that needs to kind of get broken down um, because that's just a lie. And if you lean into it, you're just the only one who's going to be hurt by it. I think that that honestly is something that um, together, like, again, it's that mutual respect both ways. Like, I, I love, like, when I go and lead worship, I'll have audio guys come up and like, how you doing? How's the fam? You know, like, it's the same kind of thing. It's that mutual respect of like, we're doing this together, which is why I do love the team approach mm -hmm. of like everybody kind of being under the same thing. It's because we all are all a team. And to add to that too, I think that, doing church business as usual is not the end game. Like we're a community growing together. So that should probably look like worshiping together, praying together, getting coffee together, living life together outside of the sanctuary or the auditorium, whatever you call it these days, the venue. <laughs> um, like if we're only seeing each other and being together when we're in our positions, that's not real community. That's just getting a job done. So, I mean, the reason that I'm out, just to take it outside of church world, like the reason I'm out with Carrie and Cody isn't just because it's a job. Like I genuinely love hanging with our team on the bus and going out and having off days together. Like the, when I go out on a tour, when I sign up and say yes to a tour, it's yes, it's because it's a job, but it's because it's that team, you know, yeah. and I love that team. Just like I love my church. I love being at The Belonging. I love touring with them when we tour. I love being there on our team nights. I love being there to serve. But I also just love taking my wife and kids on a Sunday and being in church. Um, and I have to kind of guard that sometimes because yeah. I can be so busy. So it's like, no, I'm going to take a week off or I'm going to take a month off or whatever. And I'm just going to go to church with my family because um, I need it for my soul. I need mm -hmm. it for them, you know. Um, sorry to rant on that, no. but um, I think that that's like probably the biggest thing um, with that mutual respect for the team is like genuinely it's caring about the other person. It's yeah. not just the, what are you doing for me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, which is just like you're saying, a wonderful reason to reunify the worship and production teams. And I think, you know, we can forget that one does not happen without the other. Right. We both need each other. And then oftentimes we don't know what we don't know. So, True. you know, while the worship team is sitting in the green room during the message for three services, the production team is still working the whole time. And then when the worship team, you know, grabs their instruments and goes to lunch with their family, the production team is still tearing everything down. And then the production team doesn't know that like, oh, wow. well, they, you know, worked for hours at home practicing these songs and learning the tracks and all this stuff. And so like to have that unification, to have a leader, to have a pastoral leader, to help each side come together and understand. Yeah. I mean, I, what you just said there, like, if that's happening in church, then I would want to question why, like, why would the worship team be sitting in the back in the green room during the set? Ooh, speak on it, Britton. And that's genuinely just because like, if the Holy Spirit's using your pastor to preach, don't you want to be in there? Like, wouldn't you want to be 
like eating off of that. Like all three times though. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Because right, it's different. Here he goes. Like, go grab a bagel between services or go use the bathroom if you have to. But like every service is different because God is a living God. Now, like obviously there's sensitivity. Like if you're by the book doing the exact same scripted message every week, then that's probably a different situation altogether. But I would say like, that is part of being on the team. Like if you're yeah. serving, then be all into what's happening in that service. And, you know, instead of like search, you know, surfing Instagram or like posting like, oh, I'm at church today. This is so sick. We're in the green room while the pastor's on stage. <laughs> that kind of defeats the purpose of being in a family, like yeah. in a team. It's just and you're a not really at few church hours. Anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're in the back room eating snacks. But that is one of those things, like you said, like if I'm a front of house engineer and I see the worst team that's in the room with me, that then we're all in this together. Yeah. Like that is a simple thing that could shift the dynamic of your team. If you're having that issue, like maybe look at yourself and make the change. Yeah. <laughs> and Blake, I know we've, uh, we've, this has been a thing at church gear and this is a thing everywhere of like, it's no, it's not on your job description, but if you're part of this team, like it's everyone's job. Every problem at church gear is everyone's problem and everyone's success is everyone's success. It's great. I also like really resonate with what you're saying though, Brenton on like the thing I keep hearing from your heart is like, if you don't have a real relationship with one another and like your people to one another before you're people in a position, you won't have the mm -hmm. necessary empathy to work together well. Yeah. Well, what you said about, like everyone's successes is everyone's successes. Like if you're a rock star walking in from the day you start going to this church and there's a turnoff already, and then why should you be on the worst team just because you're gifted? You know, I think that there's something to growing in relationship before you're able to speak to somebody, <laughs> you know, like having that, like before you confront someone, you should probably have a relationship with that person, right? And so I think that, that is a big, piece of, of what's missing sometimes is like, well, we need a position filled and this guy's a good drummer. He just started going to our church. Let's put him on stage. Well, hold up, you know, like that'll take care of itself. Like let's maybe let him just sit in a service for a while, like, and actually become a part of the church and like be a part of this community and let's get to know him. And, you know, then when he does get to play and it's amazing and we all, then we're all like championing him and excited that we're doing it together, you know, instead of it just being like, yeah, it sounded good today. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and I don't want to get, you know, way too far down a much bigger conversation, but you know, a lot of churches might think, well, we just need a drummer. Right. And then the question becomes, well, have you created a culture where drummers want to come and be a part of it? Mm -hmm. Or do you just have, you know, a bad culture and now you have to get a drummer because nobody really wants to be a part of the team? Right. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of it. Like, I remember like when I first started playing drums at my church, like speaking of, of that, it wasn't like, I can't wait to be a drummer at this church. It was like, I saw a need as a drummer, but I loved the people that were there. And so like, after I'd been coming for a few weeks, they found out, oh, you, you play drums. Like, would you want to play like djembe in Sunday school? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sick. So I did. And then they added a drum set and I was like, I'd love to do that, you know? And then I played that and it was like, we grew it together versus it being like, yeah, like you said, like a position that has to be filled. I think you're right about like community and culture. Like that's attractive to somebody's soul and heart and family more than just me having to play because they know I know how to play. Yeah. Yeah. 
And reunifying the teams really helps the culture. Well, it just right. seems like the approach here, you know, he started in kids ministry on the gym bay, not on stage. Like, are you a team where you're all doing it as a team? Or are you a group of people who all think they're stars and they're going a bunch of different directions trying to be stars? Like, yeah, there's yeah. a big difference between working together as a unit or trying to just, you know, freelancing, trying to be be my best self in this one spot, but not really working together with everyone else. Stop acting like an A-host. Ah, oh! <laughs> that's the kicker. That's what this title should uh -huh. be. That, that might just be <laughs> the title right there. I think that that's what I love about Church Gear, though, is you guys have a platform that's that's obviously been built because you are a part of a community with so many churches. Like I've seen that you guys have done that even when we were at uh, conferences together where we saw each other there. Like what I love is that you're able to speak to some of these things where like a lot of churches, church leaders, things that are based in organizations can't speak this plainly on stuff that really matters to church. Mm -hmm. I think we've seen uh, uh, um, um, in the last like few years, we've seen this thing happen in church where it's like, if you're not happy, then just go to another church because yeah. the production value is there. You know, yep. it's like, uh, and you could take that any toxic way you'd like. It's like, it comes down to, well, this church can pay me and this one can't. Like it literally happens. Like it happens everywhere. But I think if you really ask yourself, like this is actually tr the church the large, like the big C church, like we are the body of Christ. We are a community. So it's not how it impacts you. It's how do you impact people around you? It's a place where you go to serve, not to be served, just like Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Mm -hmm. So if that's truly the example, then that's what we should be doing. And I think some of the biggest and most tasteful fruit of someone's life um, is somebody who's stayed when it's hard. You know, some of the people that I've seen, even in toxic environments or toxic leadership, like I've seen people stay because they cared about the people and the fruit of their life has grown and grown and grown, regardless of how they're treated. God blesses that person for, for just staying and investing and really yeah. building people. And so, um, whereas I think even as a younger person, I would have gone like, I'm out, peace out. Like, <laughs> you know, I just don't like to be around it. I think now it's like, no, like this is, this is our place. Like now, like this is where I am, like we're putting roots in. And every time I've done that and made that decision with God, it's been blessed. Um, so hopefully that encourages somebody. Yeah. Blake, that kind of sounds like your story where, uh, you know, you are constantly under a toxic leadership regime and consistently fired under the um, duress of AHOS. <laughs> I just want to say AHOS. I you keep throwing yourself under the bus. And to that point, I have been blessed because eventually I got my B host. I got my Brian yeah. and Sean and now I have been blessed with a great boss. I'm loving it. And blessed starts with B. So That's there right. you go. Yes. And what I'd really like for this to be is a, a pivot to a disaster story here. And I'm, that segue was a disaster. So this works perfectly. Well, what can I say? Uh, I, I love a se I'm addicted to segues, guys. Like, even if they're bad, I'll just, I'll have, do them. Have you ever been on, like, a physical segue? Those little rolling... Toby, you think I have the bravery to no. be honest? No, no, <laughs> you should. That's where you should start. You should that's get right. some of those. Also, the shop. I'm not a Nashville woo girl. I'm not like a <laughs> crazy. Oh, that's what segues are I'm for. I'm not now. some crazy girl from Ohio that's like, I'm going to have a segue in Nashville. Go around but town. It would be amazing if, you know, sometime in the next year on the podcast, we could have Blake do a segue on a segue. <laughs> that's brilliant. And that's when we broke the cameras. All right. And he broke his leg. I've never broken a bone. So knock on some wood here. That would be the moment. Okay. If I had broken a bone, 
that'd be a disaster. And I would tell you the story about it. So give us a moment where everything went wrong and how you handled it, whether it was, you know, we prevented it from going wrong or it went wrong and suddenly we had to be like, sorry guys, that's our A-host moment. Wow. <coughs> well, I can I can think of a few things like when the water was falling on the on-air console at the radio station I was at um, from the air <laughs> Was that bad? Above. It was pretty rough. <laughs> I remember calling the owner going, uh, so there's water on the console. Um, it just needed some moisture, man. Yeah, it just needed a drink. Um, the one that comes to mind actually is on this past year. We were on tour um, and it was so funny. Like I, we we started the show and like, like song one or two um, I got a radio call saying like something's on fire <laughs> and Whoops. it's loud. So it's hard for me to really hear the radio while I'm mixing. So I was like, go again. Like something smells like it's on fire. And so I'm like, well, I can't really like, I can't leave the console, but I kind of have to. You just radio him back and be like, dude, I ate some beans last night. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry about it. We're good. Find a fire extinguisher. <laughs> um, so I had to go find out what was happening. And it was like, definitely like an electri electrical, like smell backstage. And so I'm running around. Band is literally on stage. I'm not at the console. Console's locked. I'm like, guys, I got to run to the back. And so I, I go to the back. And there weren't, like, there was no real sign of it. I could just, you know, we could smell it. And so in their amp room at this church, it was probably 90 degrees. It was Ooh. so warm in there. And um, it was an older PA, older amps. And I was like, we need someone in here to like keep the door open, get a fan, keep airflow, like, and just watch. Like if anything sparks or anything, like yeah. you shut us down. And the rest of the night was fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And uh, does it depend on the tour or the night, where whether you're using the house PA or whether you guys bring your own? Or? Yeah, I most of the time, like you hear kind of the phrase like church touring. It, you know, most of the time it's pretty small production that you take. So we'll, you know, the way that they do the touring might be like in like more production savvy venues but that will just mean that we'll take less with us so mm -hmm. if they've got like a grid with decent lighting um, and a way to tap into that lighting and they've got a decent pa then we'll just bring like a floor package of lighting and a console mm -hmm. so typically we'll do tours like that um you know the, the larger the tour the larger the venue and maybe different places we're going we'll, we'll try to take pa uh, but for the most part when we're doing like church touring we might have like two buses and two trailers or something and yeah. so we'll have a floor package consoles and maybe if we can fit it we'll bring some supplemental subs if we need extra bottom end but most of the time i'm on a different pa every night got it and so and um, sometimes they light on fire and sometimes <laughs> they, they freak you out a little bit yeah and it hasn't happened a lot which is great do but. you have a church or two specifically where you're like every time you guys land at that church you're just like ah oh, i know what i'm getting it's going to be yeah. amazing here yeah, anytime there's like been kind of like a train wreck moment, which there honestly just hasn't been that many, like everything is usually pretty smooth. And once you've been to a place, yeah, you kind of like just learn to like when you do that advance, mm. you're kind of like, okay, yeah, I remember this. We're going to have to do this. A lot of it's less to do with like the, the production gear or quality mm -hmm. of the gear. It's usually like, oh, this is going to be a 
terrible load in or mm. a terrible load out. Like yeah. there's not a ramp or there's not a dock or, you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely, uh, there's been a couple where it's like, you know, they've got, you know, a 25 year old cluster PA up in the <laughs> middle of the room that is hanging on by a thread and it's in mono. Yeah. And you're like, this isn't really going to work for what we're trying to do. So you either rent in a PA or you just make a little note saying we can never do this again. Yeah. <laughs> Without a PA. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he's making that note about the Church Gear podcast right now, Blake? I can't tell. He seems like he's having fun, but I'll, I mean, I also feel like he's got that coat on. He's got his hat on. He's ready yeah. to go. He's ready to just get yeah, out of here. Get leave it any One of these guys is a real A-host. <laughs> yeah. We'll put the poll out on that one. Um, well, Brenton, if you were going to give us a tech takeaway, because uh, it sounds like you had a tech takeaway in that church, you're like, I'm going <laughs> to not go back here. Um, what would you take give us for this episode that uh, you'd speak to a room full of church texts? It's like, hey, this will this will make your Sunday better. Whatever your unique piece of advice. Oh, man. I should have been thinking about this before. You're going to have to edit out the dead space. Um, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yep. we, we sometimes keep things depending on how funny they are. I don't want to sound so like stereotypical because I know that this is like an answer that could kind of be like absolutely unbelievable or like, oh yeah, pretty average. Look, well, I got my cheese grater out. Come on, <laughs> give me the cheese. I'll start grading it. What we talked about earlier as far as just general respect, I feel like I can't really express that enough of like loving the people that you're around. You have the ability to change the culture and the atmosphere just by your attitude. Um, my parents taught me early on, like, you're a thermostat, a thermostat, not a thermometer. You know, it's like you can set the temperature, not just be the one reading it or complaining about it. Mm. And so I think that every room you go into, um, whether it's a church or the coffee shop, like, you can be an atmosphere shifter. And I think that that's, that all just comes down to how you treat people. <laughs> and it sounds so vague. And, you know, I hope it's not just throwaway. Um, I wish I had something really funny to say. But I think that that's like, that's probably, if you were to actually take something away, I think that would be it. No, that's a great one, man. Like, this is a more serious segment of all of them. We're we're pretty funny at times, but also, like, <laughs> this is the moment that it's like, hey, let's make sure something was of value <laughs> in this episode. That's amazing. And I think that's very valuable. Even the times that I've had to learn some stuff here that wasn't my job, I'm not learning other people's jobs so I can do their job. I'm learning their job so I understand how I impact their job, and it helps that's me so work good. with them better. Mm -hmm. So totally get that. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, literally what I said, like drummers learn how to become guitar players, like audio guys dive into like leading worship in your small group or like learn how to do lights or like go run lyrics a weekend. Like when you really learn what the whole team's doing, you not only have an appreciation for it, you can relate to them. So everything you do now, you know, like, oh, when I do this or when I make it really loud in the room, it's affecting the way that comms is hearing or not able to hear this or whatever. Like you just have all of this context for what you're doing in your position. It's so huge for an operation or a team or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah. Uh, it's uh, like at church gear, like Blake, you know, I've literally done every job because that's what we had to do. <laughs> I know. That's what you have to do. And it'd be different if I like bought a Subway franchise. It's not like I've never made a sandwich before, but like I've never made a sandwich before. Never microwave popcorn <laughs> either. So. <laughs> it is nice knowing that your leader uh, would never ask you to do something that they haven't done themselves, which I think would play into this conversation. Um, well, Brenton, man, uh, what should we point people towards other than that great, great piece of advice? Uh, anything you want to say, hey, check me out here or... 
You could say, hey, I live in a bunker. Don't talk to me. Either way. <laughs> You'd be surprised. We've had a couple people say that. Um, You know, I kind of had this crazy thing happen in 2020 whenever everything shut down. We were going to go out on tour and I, uh, we were in rehearsals and tour got shut down. Like we were, had to just basically pack up and go home. And that was going to be the busiest year yet. Like we were really looking forward to 2020 and everything stopped just like everybody. Um, and I was kind of in that frantic thing, kind of all of us probably were of like, all right, God, I'm going to need like a father, son side project. <laughs> like we need mm. something here. And immediately I actually asked God that and immediately felt like I should do these online courses for people. And so I started a website, it was literally just brentmiles.com and did like took three weeks and did these tutorials on um, basics of a DAW, like Pro Tools, basics of like live audio and then basics of mixing and put those out there for the world. And it was unbelievable the response, just put, putting it on Instagram and seeing like how many people needed it. Because at the time I didn't realize all of these worship pastors had become overnight producers mm. and had to do their church live stream at home. Yeah. And so they're literally taking a band recording and having to put it in logic and figure out how to record and no one knew how to mix. So I was getting these emails back from guys that were like, my pastor's mad at me. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm about to quit my job, but I took your course and now we've fallen so in love with music and making it that we're writing our own music. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. And so I have kept them up with the intention of taking them down for so long because <laughs> I haven't gone in and like updated them and I really want to. But this past fall, I did a new, uh, real simple course on mic placement and technique. And um, I do have courses online. So if you're like wanting to just learn how to do a basic mix or anything like that, I've got that. I've, I do a little bit of online coaching as well. So if you want to check it out, it's just my name, brentmiles.com or Instagram at brentmiles. He took people who were ready to quit their job. You know, they're about to burn out and now they're standing out. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty quite yeah, the transformation. Maybe you can fix you too, Blake. Hey, <laughs> let's do some of that consulting. There we go. Let's pair that up. Right. I'll put that in my budget for next year. Amazing. Denied. <laughs> a host. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I will be leaving. Thanks for uh, joining us. You're going to be an A-host soon, man. I promise. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories, tech takeaways, and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios. Okay, Blake, uh, I think a uh, course that Brenton should add to his repertoire is how to crush being a guest on the Church Gear podcast. Oh, he definitely could, you know, don't count the lies right, uh, but give amazing advice that yeah. stuns Blake into silence. I didn't say much this whole episode because I was just drinking it in. And don't be an A-host. Don't be an A-host. But do what should people do. And you know, the final thing on that, his tech takeaway for his course would be text this episode to a friend. Like, we're not asking you to share it on social. That's all public nonsense. Don't worry about that. Just that person in your life that's like, hey, I need, this person should hear this message about working better with the team. Maybe there's too much subtext there, but you know what I mean. Text it to them. Yeah. Or you could say like, hey, you remember when the PA blew up that night? Yeah, this is the guy that did it. Text it to him. Yes. It'd mean a lot to us. Help us get the podcast out there. Uh, hashtag Save Blake's Job. Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. T Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers 
and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. <laughs>